Hacks is back for season three, and so is the official Hacks podcast. In each episode, Hacks creators Lucia Agnello, Paul W. Downs, and Jen Statsky speak with cast and crew members to unpack the Emmy-winning comedy series. You'll hear Hannah Einbinder and Gene Smart speak to their on-screen dynamic, along with stories from the show's writer's room, on-set antics, and creating the world that Deborah and Ava inhabit. Watch Hacks, streaming exclusively on Max, and listen to the official Hacks podcast on Max or wherever you get your podcasts. Apple Card is the perfect cashback rewards credit card. You earn up to 3% daily cash on every purchase every day. That's 3% on your favorite products at Apple, 2% on all other Apple Card with Apple Pay purchases, and 1% on anything you buy with your titanium Apple Card or virtual card number. Visit apple.co slash card calculator to see how much you can earn. Apple Card issued by Goldman Sachs Bank USA, Salt Lake City branch. Subject to credit approval. Terms apply. Look out. There's only films to be buried with. Hello and welcome to Films to be Buried with. My name is Brett Goldstein. I'm a comedian, an actor, a writer, a director, a fridge magnet and I love films. As Henry David Thoreau once said... True friendship can afford true knowledge. It does not depend on darkness and ignorance. A true friend is someone who sits through your favourite film, The Third Man, and out of respect doesn't say that they were bored out of their mind. Interesting thoughts from Henry David Thoreau there. Every week I invite a special guest over, I tell them they've died, and then I get them to discuss their life through the films that meant the most to them. If you've never heard the show, check out the back catalogue where previous guests include Jamila Jamil, Ricky Gervais and Catherine Ryan. But this week... My incredibly special guest is the one and only January Jones. Remember to get your tickets for Films to be Buried with Live at the BFI on August the 15th with the incredible writer and star of Game Face, Roisin Connery. Tickets are on the BFI website and they're going fast, so get them while they are still there. It will be an absolute cracker. If you do enjoy the show and you want to support it and get more content, please come and join me over at patreon.com forward slash Brett Goldstein, where you'll get extra guest questions for most of the episodes. You'll get videos, guest list tickets, recommendations, all sorts of stuff. This week, as it's a very special episode, I have included all of the extra Patreon content on the main podcast so you can see what you're missing. But do not tell the Patreons, okay? And remember, best of all, if you do become a Patreon member, not only do you get loads of extra good stuff, you don't have to hear this bit about becoming a Patreon member. You get the whole episode completely unencumbered by ads and me talking about being a effing Patreon. So give it a look over at patreon.com forward slash Brett Goldstein. So, here we go. January Jones is a phenomenal actor that I was very excited to talk to. I consider Mad Men to be one of the top three greatest TV shows ever made, and I've been a fan of her work from way back when. January had very kindly invited me to record at her home, and the only thing you may need to know for this episode is that through most of the recording, her lovely dogs were climbing all over me. I think I handled it perfectly. You wouldn't notice, but you might hear some scratching about, and I promise it's her dogs and it's not me scratching about. So that is it for now. I very much hope you enjoy episode 55 of Films to be Buried with. Hello and welcome to Films to be Buried with. My name is Brett Goldstein and I'm here today with a quite literally astonishing guest. She is a actor. She is a model. She is a spokesperson. She is a human. She is a mother. 
She is in so many amazing things and in one of my personal top three TV shows of all time. Please welcome to the show, the incredible Jadri Jones. <laughs> Thank you. Wow, that was intense. How are yeah, you? Yeah, that was good. That made me shy. <laughs> oh, no. Uh, January has very kindly invited me into her amazing home with her nice dogs. And we are <laughs> sat here. We have only met very briefly. Bowling once. the other night, yes. Bowling. Frankly, you're an excellent, excellent bowler. Um, was I? Well, you My, were I had the best team. We were the most supportive team. I mean, even if someone bowled a zero, we applauded them. That's so we what were I liked. Supportive. You were a very high 5 team. Right. But that doesn't mean we were good. I think the highest score of the night among 20-some people was like 118, maybe. Well, Which isn't great. Is that not? I actually don't know. No, enough. I think the highest is 300. Oh, then, yeah, we were all, we all pretty sucked. terrible. So I probably seemed better. Yeah. Just on uh, average. Uh, well, yeah, maybe it was all the high-fiving that made it look like... I just, like we I saw were was, winning, yeah. No. All I saw was the aftermath. No, I was like, yeah. they're killing it over there. No, we probably lost. We were just very supportive. <laughs> That's great. Oh, yeah, here's what I wanted to tell you first. What? Right? A, I'm a fan. I think oh. you're excellent. But I thought you were excellent. Years, I thought, me and my sister used to watch a program called Huff. Oh, Huff, Huff, yes, yeah. of course, Tank Azaria. Yeah, and you Oh, that's weird, you watched that. Before, and that was before Mad Men, before, yeah, that was, before everything, yeah. right? And you know what, I thought about you then, and because I have a theory about actors, that like acting, people always give like awards and stuff to people who cry, Act, crying acting is really hard, people go, I think the hardest acting to do is laughing. Uh-huh. And you were so good at laughing in Huff. There were three scenes where you laughed and it was so natural. And I was like, that's a proper fucking actor. Right yeah, now. it's hard to fake laugh and to yeah. fake be drunk. Drinking and laughing. Yeah, crying is easy. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, depending on the day. but Yeah. yeah. Um, I mean, I'm this close Well, thanks. I don't think I ever even watched it. It was just a couple episodes, right? Oh, it was a great show. Uh, yeah, it was a good show. Blythe Danner was in it, I think. Blythe Danner, who is? And Oliver Platt, maybe? Yeah, and you were brought in to, to love. Yeah, I was a pharmaceutical <laughs> representative to, like, be flirty with Hank Azaro's character. Yeah. Well, thank you. I appreciate that. Could have been I'm very giggly by nature, so it's not that hard. I mean, I'm just super critical and judgmental of every actor who does it. <laughs> right. Who was it that was... Oh, Humphrey Bogart was really good at it. Maybe he was just drunk, but... I think he was always um, drunk. Yeah, there are some people who are really, really excel at it. Do you have a, ki- a, a secret to drunk acting? I just slow everything down and raise my pitch my voice pitch because that's actually what happens to me right and slurring a little but the falling down crazy drunk stuff i think it's isn't as believable yeah for me i know well maybe not i don't know i think it's uh pretending you're not drunk yeah it's got to be a struggle that you're fighting for sobriety yeah Yeah, exactly (laughs) (laughs) yeah you, and you don't want people to know. That's what I'm like when I'm drunk. Yeah. Like, I'm think, fine. No, I'm not. I'm good. Yeah. People <laughs> often say to me, I didn't realize you were drunk. And I'm like, yeah, because I was acting like the most serious person you've ever met. <laughs> because I was trying. It was really boring. Yeah, it was so serious. Anyway, uh, here we are on this film podcast. Do you love films? I love films. And I love podcasts. So I mean, what a dream. Yeah. What a dream scenario. <laughs> it's the best crossover. Uh, did you always want to make films? Like as a kid? Yeah. My whole family, I mean, we would, that was our time we would spend together. Was, it was mostly Disney films as we were younger. But yeah, that was our quality time spent together was always popcorn and a movie together. Do you now, now that you're a working actor and mm-hmm. very much involved in the industry, 
do you think in any way it has lessened your enjoyment of watching films? Or, uh, or has it increased it? It's increased it be, uh, since having a kid. Because I'm watching things for the first time through his eyes and yeah. watching and watching him watch the things I watched as a kid and seeing his reaction to it and that the meanings may be different to him than it was to me and all the old Disney classics and he loves Spielberg and no, so good. it's 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 fun. We go to movies a lot. We see every movie, I would really? say. Yeah. I love that. Yeah. But as a kid I never wanted to I never would harbor the dream of I want to do that. It just never seemed like something that would even be possible to achieve. What was it you thought you wanted to do? Um something with animals, science, biology, something yeah. like that. Um January, I forgot to tell you something. Yeah. I should have told you when I got here. What? Are you allergic to dogs? <laughs> no, your dog is currently jumping on. It's a lovely dog. Oh, and I'm fine. She's hyperallergenic. What's that mean? Non- you can't be allergic to her. I can't be. There's nothing you could do. No. Suffer through it, man. No. What I forgot to tell you is uh, you've died. You died. I just died? Yeah. Okay. I'm so sorry. How did you die? From extreme old age in my sleep. How old were you? How do you, what do you 95. consider? 95. 95? Uh, without and pain and I'm was it, was surrounded it, by my loved ones and not in any pain. How many people were around the bed? Five. Five people around the bed? Uh-huh. You're 95 in your sleep though. Why are they around your bed? Why, why have they been hanging um, out when you were sleeping? Because they love me so much. So they're always <laughs> standing around your there. bed? Yeah. Okay. And they're not paid to be there. Okay, so from like 90 onwards, you were like, it could be any time, so I want you Just all... Just hold me while to, I sleep. <laughs> to watch yeah. me sleep. Yeah. Five of them. That's and a... ideally, it's my children and grandchildren. And right. they're like missing out on something important in their lives to be with me. <laughs> for grandchildren, for like yeah. five to ten again. No, but it's an honour to them. Yeah. Just to privilege. watch you sleep. <laughs> five yeah. of them. I think five, as much as it's uh, a it's big It's my favourite number. My life Is number. it? Yeah. As much as it's a big ask to have people... I don't know five people that would do that for me currently. Listen, but by the got, time I get there, there will be... You've got a lot of years to, to, to rack up the five. Yeah, to procreate. Yeah. But five is a modest... I think it's a modest number. Yeah, well, I get claustrophobic. <laughs> Especially in my bed. I don't know if I could sleep with people around my bed. That's the thing. I think I'd ask everyone. When you're really old, I don't think you notice. Yeah. Yeah, I think... What if one of them sneaks out to go to a party... That's their guilt to harbor, not mine. I mean, yes, for the rest like, of their life. Oh, you had to take a shit? Well, you just missed Grandma dying. <laughs> you've missed it. <laughs> you've been studying for five years. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah. you've missed it. Um, so you'd like to live a long life. 95, that seems fair. As long as I'm cognizant and in little pain. Yeah. Yeah. Do you worry about death? All the time. Especially becoming... I didn't used to, but now that I'm a mother, I'm super morbid. I'm always thinking about ways I could die, he could die, anyone could die. Like, I, I'm, very, I'm very afraid of it. Scared, yeah. It's very <laughs> interesting doing this because it's 50-50. Some people are like, no, why would I? And I'm like, oh, I'm... That's my biggest it's, fear, It's yeah. the daily. Yeah, and it doesn't mean that I don't have faith in something else afterwards, but because I don't know what that is, I do believe there's something. Yeah, what do you think? I just don't know what it is because I don't... I mean, maybe I've been dead before and it was fine. I just don't remember that. Right. Because I don't like being afraid. And I don't like not knowing things. Right. I like, I'm a know-it-all and I like to know it all, yeah. if possible. So it's the not knowing that I'm afraid of. And also leaving people behind that are going to miss me. I feel bad for them. 
those five people. But the five people <laughs> also might be relieved because you've made them stand by your bed for five years. Right. Then that's fine. Case. I feel good about that. <laughs> yeah. When my son came out of my body, yeah. he looked at me. He wasn't crying. He looked me straight in the eyes as I pulled him out of my body, the, the bottom half. What do you... He just you looked at me. Out. What do you mean? Oh, well, you once the, the top part was out, okay. the doctor let me pull him the rest of the way out. Really? And I pulled him out. He was looking straight into my eyes, and I was like, what? Like, he knew me. Yeah. We knew each other. He looked a little pissed that he was, like, back again, maybe, or just like, What? I'm a baby. All right, again. But he, we knew each other. It was weird. And one of the nurses um, even mentioned it. She's like, oh, he's been here before. Really? I was like, what? Don't say that. That's so (laughs) weird. Like the most scientific thing just happened, like nature. And then the spiritual was brought into it unintentionally. Like I'm not. That's amazing. Weird about stuff, but. No, I like that a lot. It was cool. It was really cool. And have you felt that continue? Yes, yes. We, I mean, we bicker like we've known each other for hundreds of years. That's fucking brilliant. Yeah, it's cool. Do you think you were like brother and sister in a past life, or or he was my dad, maybe? Wow. Yeah, he's very bossy. Imagine giving birth to your dad. I know. Pulling him out of you. (laughs) What a lie. Yeah, yeah. Probably several times. Yeah. Who knows? Over and over. He's definitely dominant. Yeah. Wow. Mm Mm-hmm. That's cool. So you, so you think. You don't know what the afterlife is, but you think there's more lives. you got, like, a Buddhist view on this. I think there might be. Yeah, that makes sense to me also. Like, yeah. Hinduism and... I've start, I used to love to study religions. And I just take bits and pieces of it that work for me. But um, I just have had weird... Scientifically, my... my What is it? My, my left brain is, like, come on. Like... Yeah. I, I was always the one questioning things in Sunday school about the Bible and Noah's Ark and stuff. But... I, there's a, the other side, which is a very intuitive feeling side, emotional side that just knows that there's something else. Feel it. So that's good. It's comforting. It's faith, I guess. I haven't met anyone who believes in a bad thing on the other side, like a hell or something. I I think most people tend to think if there is something, it'll be all right. Yeah, I think that there's hell in your living, living life. All kinds of hells. Yeah. Yeah. I think I agree with that. Um, well, I got news for you. What? January. There is a heaven. Okay. And you can stay there as long as you like. If you want to go back and let your dad give birth to you in your next life, yeah. that can happen. Really? But there's, a stop, there's a stopover in heaven. You can stay there forever if you wish. Okay. Uh, and it's great. And uh, they love film. They're obsessed with film there. Okay. And all they want to do is talk about your life, but through film. So the first thing they ask you is, what is the first film that you remember seeing? It was Ghostbusters. Great stuff. And I remember, um, I, I, well, I still have it. My baby blanket, my parents never took away. Uh, still sleep with it. But I was holding <laughs> it, and the first scene with the ghost in the library scared the shit out of me, and I had my baby blanket up over It was one of my first memories. Oh, really? Is yeah. This, is this section Just that scene. Yeah. Yeah. How old were you? Do you know? God, I don't know. When did it come out? 85, 84, maybe like six, okay. five or six. And were you, do you have so, brothers and sisters? You, I have two younger sisters. I don't remember them being there. Right. So your mom and dad took you to Ghostbusters mm-hmm. at six. Yeah, and it must have been a journey because we lived in a town of 400 people. We didn't have movie theaters, so we must have been in some other what? town. Maybe we were visiting my grandparents or something. You lived in a town of 400 people? Mm-hmm. Until I was like eight or nine. What? Yeah, it was great. 
Wow. Yeah. Did you know everyone? Yeah. Four. Well, most of us were related. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, it was a little town in northern South Dakota called Hecla. It doesn't have a school anymore, but it's still there. It was so a really what, cool way to be a kid. Yeah. What Very did safe. people do there? Um, they traveled many hours to go see movies. <laughs> they go the hell out there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I rode horses bareback to my friend's farm. And wow. I had to come home when it was dark. So it was a it real... It was fun, yeah. That's incredible. Yeah. So hang on, when did you... You moved at nine to where? Somewhere with that Another town in South Dakota called Brookings. Um, we um, lived there for two years. That's actually the town I was born in. It had like twelve or 14,000 people. So, big city. Big city. Yeah. <laughs> wow. So when you went to somewhere like New York, you must have freaked the fuck out. Yeah, I was ready though. I was... I had just turned eight. It was three days after I turned 18. Really? Yeah, I got on. I went to New York and I... Yeah, that was that. That's incredible. So, so going to cinema was a real mission. It was a treat. It was yeah. a real big treat. Yeah. Because um, we didn't go often. Maybe once a year or something. Wow. What a life. Yeah. Uh, did you have... What's telly? What's, t- what's films yeah, on TV? Yeah, but back obviously? then there was... Back then. There was three <laughs> channels. There was ABC, CBS, NBC, well, One channel PBS, for each person in the channels. town. Yeah. Four channels. Mm-hmm. Wow. Mm-hmm. Okay. What is the film that scared you the most? I was in third grade at Molly Scorpik's sleepover party, and we watched Nightmare on Elm Street 4. It was my first horror movie. It was the first movie I saw that wasn't like a Disney film, besides Ghostbusters, probably. Nightmare on Elm Street 4 is the one... I have no idea. I don't remember anything but the song, which I can recite. Would you like to do it now? No. (laughs) (laughs) I still get scared. Yeah. But I was so, so scared, but I was too embarrassed to cover my eyes or leave the room because I thought the other girls would shame me because oh. they were all, like, into it. But whatever, at third, fourth grade, what, how old are you, like, 10? Like, it was scary. That's scary. It was blood and gore and, yeah, and I didn't understand what actors were at that point, I don't think. I thought I was watching something documentary. Oh, my God. Right. That's, so. tra- that's traumatic. Mm-hmm. The documentary, Freddy's Revenge. Right. Do you like horror films now? I went through a phase of them maybe in my late teens into my 20s. And then after Blair Witch and Silence of the Lambs, and I just stopped. I couldn't handle it. You were like, I'm out. I'm out. I'm out. I do like psychological. Like, like um, I love the others. Like, things that get oh, in your head that, that, yeah. that aren't, like, gore. Can you ask me this? You listen to a lot of true crime. Mm-hmm. So. Yes. How come... You're happy with true crime, but fictional I don't, that's a horror good question. you don't want. Yeah, because I am obsessed with, I went, I've read every Anne Rice, um... Vampire book? Serial killer book. Oh. All, every, I've seen every documentary, I've read every book about... Yeah, I have a real fascination with serial killers and true crime and mysteries, just mysteries. Right. My favorite show was Unsolved Mysteries with Robert Stack, and it's the only signed autograph I own. It's Robert Stack. Um, <laughs> right. So, it, I think it goes back to the not knowing. Like, I need to know. Oh, okay. And uh, I listened to a recent uh, podcast, up in, the Up and Vanish series, I th- but it was the Atlanta Monster one. Right. And I DM'd Payne Lindsay, who's the narrator who runs the show, and I was like, dude, you didn't, like, you don't end them. Like, I, I'm not any more informed than when I began. Like, oh, I'm really? so frustrated that this isn't solved, and it's like... 
Choose your own ending. It's like, fuck, no. I yeah. want to know if this is the guy who did it. Yeah. So I DM'd him, and he DM'd me back. And he's like, because I was like, you're in the room interviewing this guy. Yeah. You must have a feeling, an instinct. Like, come on. Yeah. Give me and something. he's like, the, right, the guy that's in prison is the right guy. And I was like, that's all I needed. Thank you. Thank you. Now I can sleep. Now, I, now, now about the other one you did. <laughs> it was like a huge mistake for him. That's fascinating. To me, but... So the horror is... Uh... It's because it's not, you don't know what it's a ghost, it's any of this. Well, the psychology of it, too. I just don't understand how that happens to someone, that they're able to do that without conscience. And Mm. I feel like um, the fact that it's mostly men or all men. And I've been trying throughout the couple decades of my career to find a realistic, if not true story portrayal of a woman who has done that. And it's impossible. Um, So I want to either do a fictionalized version of that or figure something out. But I've been searching and searching and searching for a story because I want to play that character, maybe to rid myself of that curiosity. Like, I need to get into the head of these people. I just just need to figure it out. Why is that happening? Yeah. 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 How interesting. Yeah. Well, so there's, uh, I guess, Monster was the only one, was it? Yes. But she, that also, that wasn't... um, I mean, I know there's probably always a reason, but hers was yeah. much abuse and yeah. physical violence and anger. That's just... Yeah. Yeah, I get. I it's totally fun. get that. Yeah, yeah. You want one you don't It's the senseless get. stuff that... You I want know. a female Zodiac killer? Kind of. I just listened to that one, too. The new one that Payne did. Right. Didn't, didn't solve it. I but I still listen theories. to it. <laughs> Some new theories. Yeah. yeah. Um, what is the film that's made you cry the most? White Fang. Oh, wow. And it's also the movie that made me want to become an actor. Tell me more. No one has mentioned that at all. Um, well, anything to do with the dogs. Uh, yeah. I was in sixth grade. Yeah. At Beth Knipe's sleepover. <laughs> <laughs> my and, Yeah, and we watched that movie and I was completely out of control of my body and my emotional reaction to the movie and um sobbing hysterically when he's sending the dog away like get go back you're free or whatever and I was it was out of body I was so upset and I remember feeling again just like everyone's looking at me because no one else is crying as much as me and and just having that thing in my head where I just I I want this power whatever that is Mm -hmm. um I need to have it like, I want to make people feel this way. I want to have that power to either to change their emotional state like that. Right. And I didn't know what it was. And then and then it was super weird. I did a movie with Ethan Hawke a few years ago. And as we're simulating sex in a scene, I just looked down and I was like, whoa, like so full circle, man. <laughs> like, And then I proceeded to tell him the story while on top of him. And he sent me an original poster of the movie and signed it from him and the wolf. It's like upstairs framed. It's. One of my favorite things. And as we were simulating sex, it's a great (laughs) quote. I was like, so is that back in Ike's house. (laughs) And they're spritzing fake sweat on us. That's really funny. Do you cry a lot? Are you an easy crier? Do you cry in in the world? Or any Uh, Not not in life, I I don't think. I do Mm. from movies, books, uh, on airplanes. Oh, yeah, of course, on airplanes. You're only human. Yeah. Lack of oxygen. 
But would you like if you and your son are watching a film that's set? Hmm. Would you cry or would you be embarrassed to cry? No, I'll cry in front of him if it's a film. If I'm having a rough day and I'm frustrated, I won't right. show that usually, unless I can't help it. But um, yeah, we I cry at kids' movies all the time. Like Coco was a big one. I oh, cried. Jesus. My whole shirt was wet in the theater. <laughs> yeah, yeah, Coco and was tough. It was hard, man. Coco so was tough. good. Um, yeah, that's interesting. I I uh, I can't cry. In front of people, I hate it, but I will cry at the cinema and films and TV and anything. Yeah. As long as there are not people there. Otherwise, yeah, I have no problem doing that. No, I think it's, there's a feeling of, if it's a theater or even on an airplane, there's a feeling of community, sort of. You laugh harder, you cry harder. Yeah. Little oxygen. Yeah, that's it. It's like the opposite of Vegas, where they pump oxygen and you just (laughs) never cry, even when you lose your whole life. You don't know what time it is, why you're not crying. Yeah, yeah. That's funny. Um, what is a film that people don't like? People don't like it, but you're like, I love this film. I don't care what you say. You're all idiots. My sister and I are watching it. We watch this movie all the time. It's called Something Borrowed with Kate Hudson and Jennifer Goodwin. Yes. John Krasinski. We watch it constantly and laugh. Kate Hudson in that movie is the best I've ever seen her. Uh-huh. But it was reviewed terribly, which I didn't know. But I guess I could have figured it out because there, it's a series of books and that they stopped at that film. So it must not have done uh, well. No. But it's on TV all the time and we watch it all the time. There's something comforting about it, but it's not... Was it a romantic comedy? It's a romantic comedy. As I watch it now, I see the flaws. But <laughs> it's just charming. She's you've got charming. love in your heart for it. Yeah. That's good. Uh, what is a film that you used to love? You loved it so much, but you've watched it recently and you've gone, oh, I don't like that anymore for whatever reason. Uh, Citizen Kane. What? Go <laughs> on. Why is, <laughs> why is Citizen Kane? Either that or, all right, I'll nix that one. No, Everyone's I really want to hear for it. No, I love it. It's so dumb. Okay. I don't like I, it. I, listen, I haven't watched it in a good few years and, and I'd I love to I hear And I think I never what. liked it, but I used to pretend I did. Yeah. To, um, to be cool, yeah. To be cool. And <laughs> yeah. I've since changed That's so funny. Changed my tune. Go it's on. just so boring. And it's just like so full of itself. It's like, okay, <laughs> cinema, get over yourself. I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> we get it. You're we clever. It. So deep. <laughs> That's I just not have. what I go to movies to see. Like, That's I don't so funny. Like. I rarely watch the Oscar screeners. But I do watch a lot of reality TV, so just just ignore me. I'm not the best cinephile. Something something borrowed (laughs) and reality TV, but Susan Kane can fuck off. Go fuck. Yeah. Uh, That's a great, I mean, it's a great answer. Okay. Um, You might want to edit that. (laughs) No, I think it's... People are going to judge me. No, I think people will respect you for having the uh, courage to say... That you were only pretending to like Citizen Kane for some First of time. all, I used to say that I'd seen it and I hadn't even seen it. And then I watched it and I was like, yeah, it's so good. And then I was like, oh, I hate it. just hate it. And people kept buying it for you. For <laughs> so yeah, I got the Susan script Kane. for Christmas. Fuck. <laughs> I'm going to have to come clean. What is the film that means the most to you? Not necessarily the film's any good but because of the story you have around seeing the film, that it will always be special to you. So it might have been a first date, it might have been the day you got a job, like you'll um, always remember the film for that reason. Maybe Field of Dreams? I have a couple, but that was the first time I saw my dad cry. Oh, wow. 
And it's just a great movie. But um, we were watching it at the final scene when he asked the dad for a catch. My dad was crying and I was just like, what? (laughs) And I've only seen him cry at sports movies since. Not like the birth of children or... That's so funny. Like Brian's song, Field of Dreams. That's so funny. And Rudy, maybe? Did it change the way you felt about your dad? Were you like, oh, I can't respect you again? Or were you no. like, oh, well, it, it was lovely? an emotional scene. I was probably crying too. Yeah. But yeah, it just made me see him on a softer side. And it also made me wonder about his relationship with his dad. Right. Which is great. My grandpa's still alive and they seem. But it, it, there, it hit it, there was a trigger there for him. Something. Yeah, yeah. It was sweet. It was a, it was a shocker. For mm. me, at the time. What was the What was the other one? <clears throat> um, it was a recent one. Yeah. It was Jurassic World. Yes. Which I enjoyed, actually. Yeah. The first one, not the second one. Mm-hmm. And um, it was memorable because I got mom shamed for the first time. What does Because I brought my three-year-old to it. <laughs> and he loves all the Jurassic... Spielberg, again, he... Yeah. So he asked to see it, and I was like, well, it might not be... It might be scary for a three-year-old. Yeah. He was very... He insisted on seeing it. So I took him with my sister, and he sat between us, and it was a 10 a.m. showing on a Saturday morning. So I thought there'd be other yeah. kids. Just because he, at that age, is kind of hard to control, and he talks and shouts at the movie and stands up and gets excited. And I covered his eyes for the gory bits. I tried to when I saw him. I mean, I hadn't seen it either, so I tried to cover him yeah. as soon as I could. But there was this couple sitting a few seats down to our right, and there was, like, chairs in between us. And they just kept huffing and puffing because he was talking and they're like, <sighs> <sighs> like, and t- like tutting, like, oh, oh this, just, just annoyed by this child. Right. And I didn't say anything and I just tried to shush him a couple times, but he was getting into it. And Dominus Rex, he was excited and yeah, it's thrilling. They could have moved at any time the theater was open, you know, it wasn't like packed theater. And then afterwards, after the movie, I went to the bathroom, and I guess they went up to my sister and said, we cannot believe that you brought a th- uh, this child this age to this movie. And, like, shamed my sister because it's not her kid. She didn't say anything back. And I came out, and she told me, and I went running to find them. I was, no way. I don't know what I was going to do, but I couldn't find them. It's probably for the best. But I just remembered that because wow. I did feel a certain amount of guilt that maybe I shouldn't have brought him, but I also felt good. What would you have done if you'd found these these people? I would have verbally abused them. <laughs> I mean, I'm not I'm not going to hit somebody, but I would definitely cut someone down. Right. Uh, I uh, well, it sounds like he enjoyed it, right? It's not. It's he not loved it. Yeah. He loved it. He loves all those movies. I think that's. I think that's. He gets into it. He knows they're not. I mean, he watched Jaws at that age too. I'm sorry to say, but I explained to him. That it's a machine, and I showed him the pictures of like Spielberg sitting in Bruce, the mechanical yeah. shark, and he loves it. He oh, loves movies, great. so he understands. I don't know, he'll have therapy at some point, I'm sure. <laughs> of course he will. He'll <laughs> be fine. Yeah. He doesn't have nightmares. He's happy. He's, I mean, if, yeah. Apple Card is the perfect cashback rewards credit card. You earn up to 3% daily cash on every purchase every day. That's 3% on your favorite products at Apple. 2% on all other Apple Card with Apple Pay purchases, and 1% on anything you buy with your titanium Apple Card or virtual card number. Visit apple.co slash card calculator to see how much you can earn. Apple Card issued by Goldman Sachs Bank USA, Salt Lake City branch. Subject to credit approval. Terms apply. 
The Therapy for Black Girls podcast is an NAACP and Webby award-winning podcast dedicated to all things mental health, personal development, and all of the small decisions we can make to become the best possible versions of ourselves. Here, we have the conversations that help Black women decipher how their past inform who they are today and use that information to decide who they want to be moving forward. We chat about things like how to establish routines that center self-care, what burnout looks and feels like, and defining what aspects of our lives are making us happy and what parts are holding us back. I'm your host, Dr. Joy Harden-Bradford, a licensed psychologist in Atlanta, Georgia, and I can't wait for you to join the conversation every Wednesday. Listen to the Therapy for Black Girls podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Take good care, and we'll see you there. That's good. January. I mean, we haven't known each other long for me to ask you this question, but here we are. What is the film that you found the sexiest? Uh, Body Heat was really sexy. Kathleen Turner, William Hurt. Yeah, it's a very sweaty movie. Very sweaty. And, Do you think um, there was someone who just kept going on and spraying them? Well, if it was in where they were supposed to be in the south in the summer, it was humid. Yeah. But I definitely think there was a spritzer <laughs> or a bronzer yeah. person. Wait, I had another one in mind. Someone asked me this recently, too. And I, oh, Girl in the Cafe. It's not overtly sexy, but there's something about the relationship. It's um with Bill Nye and and Kath, uh, yeah, McDo- Kelly McDonald. Kelly McDonald, oh, yeah. Really? Richard Curtis wrote it. Yeah. And their relationship was very sexy to me. That's and the way they answer. fought for each other in the movie. I got very emotional. Yeah. But my final emotion was just that it was hot. <laughs> that's was emotional? Like, wow. And then I was yeah. like, whoa. People don't stand up for each other like that. That's often. a great answer. <clears throat> There's a subcategory question. Did mm-hmm. you see it? Here we are again. You don't okay. have to answer it, but I have to ask it. Okay. It's, the subcategory is Travelling Bonus, Worrying Why Dance, a film that you found arousing that mm-hmm. you thought, maybe I shouldn't have. I'm going to try to make this answer short. I have never said this out loud, I don't think, except to my friends and family, but I had a what is called a love dream, which is you fall in love and sometimes sexual with a character or a person. Yeah. I've had three or four of them in my life, and one was Harry Potter. And uh, it wasn't Daniel Radcliffe. It was Harry. Right, the real, Harry. the true Harry. He was quite young, a lot younger than me. Not seven or eight. It was like movie four mm-hmm. or five. Right. My, I was reading the books. Yeah. And then when I saw the movie, I had trouble watching it. Yeah. Because I was in love with him. Okay. Jenny Jones, uh, as I was driving here, I was the thinking... The UK love that I, I was thinking, am I going to ask this question? I thought, I'm going to have to, and not only did I ask it, but you answered it. <laughs> this, this has been a great day. Yeah, I'm sorry. It's That's nice. Harry Potter. Had a, I think, I mean, Harry Potter, you know, he's a special he's guy. magic. He's a special guy. <laughs> yeah. What is the greatest film of all time? Maybe not your favourite, but the greatest. And it's obviously not Susan Cain, like everyone else says. Uh, oh, really? <laughs> Does everyone really say that? Well, I think the critics do, or they have done for Yeah, they're years. so old, though, those guys. Um, yeah, in my opinion. It, yeah, it is in your opinion, yeah. Joe versus a Volcano. Fucking yes! It's my favourite movie. And I wow. think that it, like, scene for... It's just so good. 
It makes me happy. There's lots of drama. It contemplates death. It's all about fear of dying. Visually stimulating. And it holds up. I need to watch it again, but I did see it at the cinema. It's the greatest of all time. I saw it in the cinema too. The only criticism I have, which you would argue actually makes it more fantastical, is just the size of the moon. In the right. movie, it's a little exaggerated. <laughs> Otherwise, all believable. Otherwise, it's perfect. You're one exact name. The island, the island of a pony woos and like orange soda. Just I, I just, I got what it. What is the plot and, of it? He has a midlife crisis and wants to jump no, in a volcano. No, he has been diagnosed. He's a very upset, depressed man, and he's been diagnosed with a brain cloud, which is this Robert Stack, by the way, favorite. Diagnoses this brain cloud, which doesn't exist, but the pony woos live on this island. And they need someone to, to make a sacrifice and jump into the volcano for their island to keep afloat. Mm-hmm. And so this doctor, because he owns the island and he's a certain mo- mineral that's on the island, gets this guy who already knows is depressed and suicidal. Tells him he has this disease, but you could go out with a bang if you go do this. And I'll give you all this money and go. So he goes on this journey. Yeah. And I mean... The hero of the whole movie is the set of luggage that keeps him afloat, liter- literally and figuratively. And uh, Meg Ryan plays three different characters that are all wonderful in their own Yeah, way. that's right. And uh, one blonde, one brunette, <laughs> one redhead, right? Mm-hmm. I forgot that. And what, yeah. do, they're all on the island? No, one of them works in the office with him in the beginning when he's sat at the, the plant that yeah. he works at. And they all have different voices, and they're so she's so good. She's so good. And um, the the second one's the sister of the daughter of the guy who sends them there, this rich guy. And then the other one is the twin sister of her, and he ends up going with her on this sea voyage. Right. And it's so good. And they both jump in together and then pop out. They end up. She ends up jumping in with him for no reason, for uh, but that she loves him. And the volcano erupts and spits them back out into the ocean. The island sinks. Then the luggage pops up. The hero luggage. And they sail away. The island just sinks. Just ruined the whole movie. They don't save the island. No, everyone on the island dies. What? Yeah, all the Waponi woos. So the so the mission fails. Yeah, and then when they're on the luggage after it all sinks, he's like, "Well, we're alive. Isn't that great?" But I still have a brain cloud. And she's like, what the fuck is a brain cloud? You don't have a brain cloud. And then he's like, oh, my God. I'm going to live. Uh, Except now they're in, it ends, you know, they're out at sea. On a luggage. luggage. Is there anything in the luggage? Oh, yeah, all his stuff. Like oh, okay, great. <laughs> a putt-putt. Like when they're bored, they play golf. Uh, it's just like this is my dream. <laughs> like who got that made? Who got that made? Who got it made where the ending is everyone dies? No, there's island... like a crazy famous writer to that movie too. And I think Spielberg or someone famous produced it. Yeah. And the writer was like this crazy dramatic. He like wrote the, I don't know. Everyone Something dies. hugely important. Well, uh, it's and he's clearly... probably like, oh, don't tell anyone I wrote Joe versus the Volcano. <laughs> but you're like, like tell everyone. Tell everyone. <laughs> Yeah. Really the, well, I think you've argued greatest film of all time. Greatest film of all time. Uh, what is the film that you most relate to? Scarface, probably. Tell me why you, not that, I mean, it seems obvious to me, but just for the listener, why you why are Tony Montana? Montana. Well, I've said this before. When mm-hmm. I first started my career, 
and I moved to LA and I got a manager. He took me to UTA. Right. And I met with all the agents there. And Nick Stevens was one of the big agents there. Asked me what I wanted to be when I grew up. If I wanted to be an actor. I think he was testing me. And I said Scarface. <laughs> and he said, because of Michelle Pfeiffer. And I said, no, Tony Montana. And then they signed me. And I didn't have any credits just for that answer. That's fucking great. But um, the reason... Yes, please. ...is just because he's kind of scrappy. Mm-hmm. Very scrappy. He's pretty smart, but rough around the edges. Yeah. He's just kind of low high. He likes nice things, but he likes, he's pretty low class, right? I just relate to that, I feel like. Um, just if anyone's wondering what I that sound is. I wish we had a video. video. two dogs on me. Uh, it is not me making noises. Uh, but I find that movie hard to watch now. It's a bit, it's a bit harsh. It's just sad. Gangster movies in general and... Is that uh, your increased fear of death and violence? Uh, also drugs. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. I'm sorry. You must smell nice. Uh, uh, thanks. Thanks, dogs. I mean, a great answer. Surprising answer. Uh, no. I love Scarface. He, he is great. And he's got honor on some level. I mean, he's got a weird relationship with his family and his and his associates. friends. Yeah, yeah. But uh, yeah, I just I, it it holds up as just I related to him for some reason. Right. Okay. Except towards the very end, yeah. <laughs> the final, the final act. You Killing everyone ways. you love. Yeah, yeah. You just, part ways. Right. I want to die the opposite way, but yeah, you want to die before everyone while you sleep. Right. Um. What is the film that you have or could watch the most over and over again? And is it something borrowed? Well, I have so many movies that I could do that. I'm, I'm a person who watches this. I, instead of watching something new and supposedly great, I would rather watch something comforting that I've seen a million times. Yes. Maybe that's a waste of my life, but I just prefer to not be disappointed. But I would say either Out of Africa Ooh. or Bridger Jones' Diary. Out of Africa is not a uh, light watch. The music or something. I don't know. I yeah. love watching it. And I love their story and her independence. And it's pretty sexy. And I like her outfits. Yeah. But the music really grabs me. I can hear that music and just be lulled into a sense of peace. That's nice. Yeah. You like to watch things you've already seen because you do like to know. You like to know what the fuck's going on. Yeah. And that's, that's I'm on an airplane is I will go... With my son to movie theaters, but they're yeah. kids' movies usually. Or on an airplane, I'll watch something that I wouldn't normally. Yeah. Just because I'm there and I'm stuck. Yeah. Um, what, is, what is the film? Oh, yeah. All right. Listen, <clears throat> I don't like to be negative, so we'll do it quick. Okay. What's the worst film you've ever seen? Well, I feel bad answering this because I've worked with this guy and he's really nice, but Hollow Man Hollow with Man. Kevin ba- Bacon. Hollow Man. I... It was bad. It was really bad. The graphics were okay. You worked. He's with... like naked, and hollow. Yeah, and he's, he's got like... a naked penis. He's got like a, there's a bit yeah. where his penis sort of comes yeah. in and out of. Yeah, but I didn't notice that. I don't think that's all I was looking for. That's not that's not what bummed me out about it. <laughs> but I I worked with Kevin Bacon and he's awesome and um, very great in everything else. Yeah, and I'm sure he was great in that movie too. I just left. I saw that in the theater and I just left super underwhelmed. It might have been the only movie I walked out on. Wow. But I might have been in a bad mood, too. 
I think it's a film uh, that doesn't do what it promised to do. Because I saw it, I'm sure I've said this before, but uh, not to you, so I'll say it. But uh, I saw it at uh, like a film festival before it came out and Paul Verhoeven introduced it and he said, I wanted to make a horror film because uh-uh. I think the only reason people behave themselves is because they are seen. And so he was like, when I thought about The Invisible Man, I was like... Oh, it's meant you, to be a horror film? If you take away uh, being seen, right. suddenly your morality will go. Uh-huh. And I thought, oh, that's an interesting idea. And yeah, that is. And I the film and I was like, that's not what you did. No. That's not what that film no. was at all. That's sort of what Jaws did. Yes. Because the machine kept breaking. It wasn't intentional, I don't think. Ah, interesting. Yeah, it just wasn't my fave. Also, Showgirls was really bad, but I can watch it now and just laugh and laugh and laugh. It's so good. Nothing wrong with Showgirls. It's so good. It's the Citizen Kane of film. Yeah, but in reverse. Yeah. Uh, what is the film that made you laugh the most? I laugh a lot. Anything with Will Ferrell. But I would say maybe Living in Oblivion. That was a really That's great such film. A good film. Steve Buscemi and... I forgot about that. It's just so dark and weird, and Catherine Keener's in it, and love Catherine Keener. Dermot Mulroney is yeah. that his name? Yeah, it's really good. He plays the director with the eye patch. Yeah, and I think I, I think I own the DVD. I just haven't watched it in a while, but I it might have been when I was smoking pot a lot too. But I laugh, I cried, laughed the whole movie. It's got. Uh, it's about making films, right? Making yeah. independent films. Yeah, it's about actors and filmmakers. And there's a bit where they have to stay silent to get room noise and everyone has a fantasy. Yeah. And he fantasizes winning an Oscar and stuff like that. Also, there's like a scene where a little person is holding an apple and someone's trying to grab it and it's supposed to be like a dream sequence, but they all feel so dumb. Yeah, and then he has a breakdown. He goes, I don't even dream about little people. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah. great. Great. Um, What is the film that changed your perspective on something you saw it you'd felt a certain way about something and then you felt differently about it afterwards maybe pan's labyrinth one of the greats because i love films about war or have war just love stories and anything Mm -hmm. family love stories any kind of love story around war just the tragic um and that's what i thought that was going to be and it turned into this really cool horror and then at the end the twist I don't know. I just felt sort of, sort of um, duped in a good way. Oh, okay, I, just, okay. I was, I was oh, surprised. Good. It wasn't predictable at all. And I was scared by the creatures. And I don't know what perspective it changed other than when I went in, I thought one thing. And when I came out, I thought another. Um, also, I think as I've gotten older, I, I guess in my early 20s, I, I started watching a lot of foreign films. Right. So films like this Her. around the time you were... Pretended like Citizen Kane. Right. Yeah. I was like, reading movies? <laughs> it's not the point. Um, I loved her and Life is Beautiful and just, I guess, being culturally educated while watching a film mm-hmm. was just felt like learning Yeah. about people that I, things I didn't know. And then I started to travel more and I just became more educated on humans, which is super important for what I do, I guess. Just observing yeah, and also coming from a place of 400 people. I mean, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I had never, yeah. You'd never, you'd seen, never seen people. <laughs> no. <laughs> you were like, they're everywhere. I know. Uh, I think I learned about the Spanish Civil War from Pan's Labyrinth. Really? Yeah, as in I sort of vaguely 
had an idea of it, but I think it made Yeah, it no, I didn't know anything much about that either. Yeah. It was a beautiful movie. It's so good. It holds up as well. Um, what is the greatest opening sequence to a film? See, I had a hard time with thinking about... I, I, this goes back to war movies. Like, I was trying to think of something beautiful and poetic... But I think the ones that stayed with me are war movies, like the opening of Saving Private Ryan or Gladiator, or like something with these crazy, yeah. long battle scenes stick with me, and they're really, they just seem super complicated, and yeah. it's like, how What's they the do that? What's the biggest thing you've done, uh, acting-wise, where you've been on a set, you've been like... Like a huge me. set? Yeah, like, like... It had to be, like, X-Men, like, just giant yeah, sets course, with yeah. green screens and fighting and... People turning into mutants and stuff. Were you ever like, I don't know what's going on? All the most oh, of the right. time, yeah. They're like, this tennis ball is a missile and it's coming towards you, oh, and it God. just. At first, I was like, oh, I'm too, I'm better than this. Like, what I'm staring <laughs> at is tennis ball. I'm a real actor, you guys. And then, and then you realize what I do for a living is playing. Yeah. And this is just, just use your imagination and shut up. Yeah. And have Play fun. But I was in a bikini and they're like, now you're a diamond. And so it was, it's a, just a different kind of acting. And I, you know, it's, but it's just these giant, elaborate, beautiful sets. And, and you walk on a set into a world of make-believe. And, wow, that's cool. Yeah. Uh, they said, you're a diamond. Now you're a diamond. Well, my character turns into a diamond sometimes. Right. So, but I never know when. So what? Did, so what? <laughs> so are you like making a fake? Like what's you turning into? A no, it's it's seamless. Right. It's seamless. Also, my character can read minds, and James McAvoy's character could also read minds, but he had to have his fingers up to his temple to do it. Right. And so when we have like a mind off, um, we just stare at each other, and I wondered why I didn't have to do that with my hand. I could just read his mm. mind, and we're just staring at each other for hours, That's, trying not to giggle. Yeah, that. And then watch Fastbender like say. Like a mediocre line, make it sound like he just won an Oscar or something. It's like, oof. <laughs> Some of us are better than others at this, but I get I get the giggles. That I often thought also, that. Also, McAvoy just has the prettiest eyes to stare into. Not yeah. <laughs> the, they, they do that a lot in Star Wars now, just having staring. Yeah, but no one so, thinks like, about what the actors have to go through to get those. <laughs> I do. I think how hard that must it's like, be. Like now you're fighting and. This physical war, but you're just staring at each other. And I was like, well, how do they know? And then we'll cut to the fight in your mind, but they didn't have the budget for that or something. So we're just staring at each other. Cut to the fight in your mind. <laughs> <laughs> just do some eyes. Do, yeah, do just intense do the eyes. eyes. Oh, boy. Yeah. And then I turn into a diamond, but yeah, it didn't help. <laughs> <laughs> you're, a di- you're turned into a diamond. <laughs> wow. The computer guys do that. Yeah, yeah. But it's good that they let me know. Yeah. Heads up. You're yeah, now it's a, a different swagger. You're a hammer. What? <laughs> it's a different sort of physical swagger Yeah. when you're a diamond. Um, you walk a little stiffer. It's got real diamond gravitas <laughs> all of a sudden. <laughs> so, okay. So you're going like Saving Private Ryan. Is that your answer for opener? I guess so. You can have it. It's a good one. All right. Oh, do you know this little fact about Saving Private Ryan? That they had to, they had to change everything day one on set why that they plotted out this whole landing and when they got there i can't quite remember what it is basically it was the wrong way around the beach was facing oh, the they're wrong, on the wrong coast they're on the yeah but weren't they really in norm like on the beach of normandy or whatever unfortunately i can't remember the, the exact wrong detail beach? but something was the wrong way around and and so everything had to 
They just Switch? had to go, fuck it. Well, Can't they the flip the film or something? Listen, I said, Spielberg, mate. Flip the just f- flip the film. <laughs> Why are you making such that a song? Guy. Why are you screaming at everyone? Flip the film. <laughs> Spielberg, you're a diamond. <laughs> uh, what? He is the diamond. Oh, for sure. Uh, what is the best ending? Best closing sequence? Now, I know there's probably one that's better than the one I'm about to say that's more emotional, that made me cry or made me feel something. But the one that stays with me the most, the one I was most frustrated by that was poetic, but I was just like, what was Thelma and Louise? Right. like, what? So they died? Did they? No one will tell me. It's one of those things where it's like, just tell me. keep asking everyone you meet on a bus. So they died? Or did they get away? I need to know. Well... My sister, who, you know, is smart in many ways, but in other ways, less so, yeah. thought that if you watch that with Louise, the car freeze frames in midair, yeah. and then there's like a montage of scenes from the past. She thought the montage of scenes from the past was the future, was yeah. that the car had landed. Oh, she didn't remember that the stuff she had just watched. They'd started a new life at the bottom of the Grand Canyon. So if you ask my sister, yeah, they lived and they were happy down there. Well, that's nice. That's nicer than They've built some crashing shops. to their death. Yeah. My, in my mind, when I watched it when I was younger, mm. I thought that maybe they had, like, there was going to be a part two and the car actually flew and you didn't know, like, Kirby or like something. Like at the end of Greece. Yeah. Like at the end of Greece. You didn't yeah. know the car could fly and then it does. Yeah, or just, or they just was a little part of the Grand Canyon where there was actually just um, a little ledge yeah. underneath it and they just kind of softly landed. And then ran around and then just started living with, like, indigenous people. Yeah. And lived in, with rock people. Forever, yeah, together. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's what happened. And you, okay. you don't need to keep asking people. Okay. <laughs> you can relax. They're fine. It's just They're frustrating. Fine. They're fine. Like, they didn't do anything wrong, you guys. Okay. I mean, they did kill a, kill a couple of people. Oh, sweet. I'm not getting into this. <laughs> I mean, listen, I'm on their side. Okay, good. But I'd say legally, they're, they're in the dubious territory. Was that Harvey Keitel that was on the phone with them the whole time? That's like, girls, come on, girls. Just yeah. come in, girls. It was yeah. like someone super patronizing. Someone's dead. Yeah. Come on. No, the cop. Oh, Harvey Ke- Oh, you got Michael Madsen on one phone and Harvey Keitel uh, on Madsen's the Madsen's the boyfriend. Yeah. And then Keitel's the cop. Yeah. Yeah. But he also seems sad when they drive off a cliff at the end. Well, because they didn't have to die. Yeah. And then they didn't. And they didn't. But they didn't die. No. Okay, let's move on. Uh, what's the... You're making me upset. <laughs> what's the film you... Um, uh, oh, you know what? You finished with the questions. There's a question, but it wasn't on there. What? You don't have to answer it. Okay. But what's this... Uh, do you have a favourite scene in a film, maybe not beginning or end? Where you go, that's my favourite set piece, that... Favorite scene ever in a movie? Yeah. Oh, no. That's too hard. It'd have to be one in Joe versus the Volcano. Okay. When they're on the luggage, probably. And his lips are all cracked. And he's staring up at the moon and he is contemplating life. Then he collapses. And then she wakes up and gives him a little bit of water. And he's, like, kind of bad acting, like, shaking stuff. You could tell that both actors... Sorry to go back to this movie, but I love it. Both actors... Well, Tom is kind of making fun of himself in the movie, in yeah. the movie. Right. Or he's not sure that what he's doing is, is going to play, you know? Because I'm not sure how great the script was, but he's just sort of spoofing himself. Right. 
but it's great. It's like Seinfeld playing Seinfeld or something. But it works for me 100%. So the acting may be a little over the top, but it's perfect in my mind. I'm going to go watch that a little bit later. Yeah, I'm, going to, I'm leaving straight from here to watch it. So many people haven't seen that movie, you know. I know. It wasn't very successful. I think it, <laughs> <laughs> it was an absolute disaster. Uh, okay, well, that's what, that's your, what I'm looking for next. A project like that, where someone reads it and says, this is never going to get made. This is a disaster. <laughs> what's, uh, what's your favorite film? My favorite film of all time is Between Joe versus the Volcano and Gone with the Wind. I know it's confusing, but that's just the way it is. That makes sense. I watched Gone with the Wind very young with my mom. And I have the uh and I read the book very young too. Really? Like ten or eleven or something. How close is the book to the film? Very different. Hmm. She got she had like lots of kids in the book and wasn't a beautiful woman and she's more hearty. Right. Just like scrappy. Um, Vivian Lee is gorgeous and has the one kid who dies. It's a bit more tragic. Still very long. The book and the film. Yeah, the book's like eight hours long. I, I saw, I, I think it was like a formative moment. My mum tried to show me Gone with the Wind. And when mm. the kid dies on the horse, I think I cried and said, why are you making me watch this? Yeah, but that's towards the end. You should have just carried on. I was so close to the finish. And the end's the worst, so maybe not. Right. Why? Because he's... Because he leaves and she's like, he's like, sorry, my dear, you know, I don't give a damn or whatever. Yeah. And then she's like, really sad. And instead of doing it, running after him and trying to fix it, she goes, I'll think about that tomorrow. <laughs> what a fucking And then she goes, film. tomorrow is another day. It's like, bitch, get off your ass. Go get the, you just, he's so confused and you're like, you could fix this so easily. And then he's gone in the mist and it's. It's like film movies all over again. So, like, did they or didn't they? Yeah. Did they get back together? Years and years later, someone wrote a sequel called Scarlet, which I read. And what happens? They get back together. Oh, sweet. It's great. (laughs) (laughs) But it's still like 800 pages. I can't remember what else happened. So we just need to write Thermal Louise 2 where they live live amongst the rocks and everyone will be fine. (laughs) I'll write it. Uh, It's a short story. Yeah. They're fine. The end. <laughs> it's more of an Instagram post. Yeah. But I'll, I'll do that. Uh, January Jones, uh, you have been a very excellent guest and very generous. Now, Thanks for having me. Here's the thing. When you died in your sleep, surrounded by five people that you had made stand around you. Yes. Five years in the, in the hope that one day that they'd be there. Mm-hmm. One of them popped out to do a number two. Right. Missed it. And they're going to have to live with that. Mm-hmm. For years. Yes. Anyway, when they came to get your body, what they hadn't realised was you'd had an electric blanket on the whole time, right? Uh-huh. And your body had been actually melded on to the bed. Okay. So getting your body off was a problem. Okay. We ended up having to, like, take bits of the bed with you as a whole. Gross. Yeah, it was really gross. I'm sorry. You're fine, but it was a mess. Okay. So we get bits of the bed, bits of the mattress, had to chop up. It was a mess. Anyway, we put all but of my you body's in. intact? Okay. My face? Your face is fine. Okay, good. That's the one bit. That's the one bit that was totally fine. But the the rest is. Because I plan on having lots of plastic surgery and look good. Oh, yeah. The face is unaffected. Okay. Even by the heat. It's just. Perfect. Yeah. Uh, So we put, in fact, we put the face on top of the rubble that is in. Okay. In the the coffin. (laughs) Just the skin of my face. Yes. Oh, yeah. So the coffin is now rammed full of stuff. So much more than we were expecting because of all the bits of bed and everything. Okay. There's no room in this coffin anymore. 
there's only enough room to slide one DVD in the side. And that DVD is going with you to the other side. And on the other side, it's movie night every night. And one movie night, it's your movie night. What movie are you showing everyone in heaven? Weekend at Bernie's. <laughs> I mean, after that description. Weekend at Bernie's. Yeah. And they're going to have to carry my dead corpse around everywhere. <laughs> just my face. <laughs> just your face at the front of it. Look <laughs> at that face looks... Oh, but the, what? Ah. Okay, Weekend at Bernie's. That's sure. what you're taking to heaven. Okay. I think so. It's light. It's light and no one else has brought it. <laughs> Unfortunately, sure I'm there. Like not going to be Citizen yeah. Kane. <laughs> You're going to be so annoyed with how many people brought or, Citizen Kane. Or maybe Kane. Hell would exist, yes. Yeah. Three nights in a row, Citizen Kane. <laughs> fuck's sake. When do we get to, when do we get to Weekend at Bernie's? <laughs> and your first thing you do when you get there is see if Thelma and Louise are there. Are you here? Or do, are they still Well, alive? they'd be dead anyways. Okay. They'll be there. All right. Um, January Jones, is there anything we should be looking out for? You would like to plug anything at all before we say goodbye? I just did a show for Netflix called Spinning Out, but I'm not sure when it comes out. Okay. It's um, a drama about bipolar depression and ice skating. You know, the, uh, that old thing. Do you ice skate in it? I do. In flashback scenes. Um, I, I, my character was a champion ice skater. And then her now her daughters are ice skaters. Did you learn to ice skate? Or you I didn't. I didn't ice skate. They didn't let me on the ice. Okay. If I was, it was in a flashback, and we did face replacement, and I was on like this thing. This is going to ruin it, but I'm on like a rig that yeah. spins me, and I just have to do the arm movements. Oh wow! Insurance and all that. Yeah. Did you feel sick on this thing? Yeah. Right. <laughs> but they all kind of look sick. So. Yeah. Um, did they all look dizzy to me? Uh. Okay. So we'll look out for spinning. Yeah, I think it will happen in the beginning of 2020. Oh, right. Okay. Yeah. Uh, and is there anything else? No. Just my short story about the ending of Thelma and Louise. They're fine. The end. Yep. Coming uh, to social media soon. Look out. Listen, get on that Instagram. Look out for the twist <laughs> ending. Thelma and Louise too. Uh, January Jones, thank you so much. Thank uh, you. Have a wonderful death. And... Good day to you. Thank you. So that was episode 55. Join the Patreon for extra content at patreon.com forward slash Brett Goldstein. And if you do enjoy the show, please subscribe and give it five stars and a nice review for the simple reason. Apparently it helps our numbers, means more people get to hear it. I can keep making it. You can keep listening to it. We can keep doing this forever and ever and ever until we all die or the internet explodes and kills us anyway. Thank you so much to January Jones for being excellent on this. Thank you to my lovely manager, Paul Nelson, for making it happen. Thanks to Scroobius Pip and the Distraction Pieces Network. Thanks to Buddy Peace for producing it. Thanks to Acast for hosting it. Thanks to Adam Richardson for the graphics and Lisa Lydon for the artwork. Come and join me next week where my special guest is the brilliant stand-up and mock the weakest, Reese James. Remember to get your tickets for the BFI live show on August 15th with Roisin Connery. And in the meantime, have a lovely week and please be excellent to each other.
John Stewart is back in the host chair at The Daily Show, which means he's also back in our ears on The Daily Show Ears Edition podcast. Join late night legend John Stewart and the best news team for today's biggest headlines, exclusive extended interviews, and more. Now this is a second term we can all get behind. Listen to The Daily Show Ears Edition on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Therapy for Black Girls podcast is your space to explore mental health, personal development, and all the small decisions we can make to become the best possible versions of ourselves. I'm your host, Dr. Joy Harden-Bradford, a licensed psychologist in Atlanta, Georgia, and I can't wait for you to join the conversation every Wednesday. Listen to the Therapy for Black Girls podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Take good care, and we'll see you there.